Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us with a, a heavenly perspective from beyond the sun, he leads us in an investigation of all that takes place under the sun, sort of like we just sang in Psalm 58, the Holy Spirit showing us what is really happening under the sun. He looks at life through the eyes of someone who doesn't know God. If you don't know God, what does it look like? In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 3 to 6, verse uh, 9, reveals that even if a person had all the experience, the wisdom, and the advantages that Solomon had, as long as that person remains under the sun, that means separated from our covenant father, the conclusion would have to be that all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Life without God is vapor in the air. You can't grab onto everything and, and everything you see and know will fade and will disappear. If you look at chapter 1, verse 18, he speaks of vexation and sorrow. When we think about the rat race of this life, we are saddened and vexed to see that no matter what route, no matter what path people try take through this maze of life under the sun, they are all really only leading towards death. And as God's children, then we are warned not to fall into the trap of trusting in our own works. And we are urged to invite our neighbors who are trapped in this maze under the sun to find hope in the God who made them. And today I can preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the Son of God, who reveals his glory even in the midst of the vanity of human efforts under this theme, God gives meaning to our life under the sun through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the theme of the, the whole book of Ecclesiastes. And today we look at the first point, the theme today, God shines his light on the vanity of human efforts. And we'll see that he shows us the dead ends. He points us to the dangers. And thirdly, he calls us to look up to him. Good idea to have your Bibles open. I'll refer to various verses as we go along, starting in chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 1 to 11, where the Holy Spirit looks at how people under the sun try to find meaning by pursuing pleasure, chapter 2, verse 1, laughter, chapter 2, verse 2. And the question is, is it possible to find meaning, and then if you look at verse 3, the first attempt is through that pleasant feeling of levity and escape that comes with consuming alcohol. Is this a way to find truth and meaning in life? And then verses that follow is the goal of our lives to find pleasure by completing building projects or through the great riches that are enjoyed in, in mansions in farms and vineyards, surrounded by 
gardens and parks with fruit trees and, and pools. They tried that in verses 4 to 6 and verse 8. Or perhaps now looking at verses 7 to 8, if you allow me to, to translate one more step from the slaves and the singers and the concubines, the question is, is the perfect life the life where we just sit back while our slaves, our modern-day slaves, all our appliances and, 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 and machinery that we have, that it does all our, our housework while we sit back and, and watch. And then we live as kings who are served by musicians at the touch of a, of a button. They just play whatever song we want, and there it is. It's instant gratification. Or sex trade workers who come into, right into our houses through our electronic devices and instantly gratify every whim. Is that the goal? Have we arrived when we have all this, asks the preacher. In Ecclesiastes 2, verse 11, the Holy Spirit tells everyone who goes this route very clearly, and he honestly is evaluating this, uh, what he's gained, his heart guided by wisdom. We saw in verse 9, he says that, Behold, it was all vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. If your goal is simply to take hold of whatever your heart desires under the sun, you will find that your whole life will be like vapor and nothing will be gained. And so in verses 12 to 17 of chapter 2, the Holy Spirit shows us what life looks like when people follow another route. That was a dead end. Let's try another route now, like a little rat in a maze. Let's go look at wisdom under the sun. Now, the wisdom that he is talking about here is the experiential wisdom that you find when you go to visit your Oma or your grandmother in the old age home and you end up talking to the elderly man uh, beside her who is not a Christian, but he has tons of experience in, in life. He's read many newspapers in his life. He's been a son, a soldier, a war vet, a husband, an adulterer, a father, a grandfather, a cancer survivor. He's attended more weddings and funerals than, than he can even count. And you could say, like the Ecclesiastes says, such a person, uh, verse 14, he has eyes in his head. He wasn't born yesterday. He isn't walking around in, in darkness. He's learned when to hold them, when to fold them, when to walk away, and when to run. Could such a person, asks the author, the Holy Spirit, could such a person conclude at the end of his life that understanding what is happening under the sun gave him peace and joy in his life? And the theme returns in verses 15 to 17. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart, this also is vanity. And then verse 16, how the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity, the striving after the wind. So finding two dead ends in this life under the sun, we 
journey with the preacher in Ecclesiastes 2, verses 18 to 23, to a third option that seems to give the promise of satisfaction and fulfillment. Could it be that we are on the earth to toil, to gain a wage, and see how much food and drink, other rewards we can collect? Now, there is no doubt that this is a good explanation for many people. It's enough. But the Holy Spirit is not fooled. And he shows us once again that this root will not bring you to the truth. It will not bring you to that peace and contentment that you desire in your heart. Not only does work itself, he says in verse 23 and repeats in chapter 5, verse 17, not only does work itself cause vexation, and restlessness, and anger in a person's life, but also we can't even keep what we earned. If a person doesn't lose all that he has earned in a bad business venture that's mentioned in chapter 5, verses 13 to 14, well, then he will lose it on the day of his death. And to make this even more painful, chapter 2, verses 18 and 19 says, be left to another person, and who knows whether that person will be wise or a fool. Ecclesiastes 6, verse 1, calls this a grievous evil. Strong words. Our deathbed is the pin that deflates the hope of finding meaning in the act of earning a wage and, and getting stuff. And once again, the Holy Spirit concludes in verse 22 of chapter 2, what has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? The difficulty of the work itself, the worry about the inheritance, and then certain death, they all contribute to take away from the enjoyment of life for those who are under the sun, trying to find peace by getting stuff. And Ecclesiastes 6, verses 3 to 5, says it very strongly. A stillborn child who has never seen the sun has more rest than such a person. If you are trying to find your satisfaction in your human efforts under the sun and apart from God, you will run into a dead end. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 26 says again that such human pursuits are vanity and striving after the wind. The repetition begins to get to us. We start to understand. No one under the sun is able to control their own future or even escape the consequences of their actions. And so... We see that in the second point that the Holy Spirit points us to the dangers. And there's a transition now in this first part of the description in chapter 2, the different ways that people live their lives to more of an evaluation in chapter 3 and beyond. And in this evaluation, he's showing us another level. It's beyond the vanity. He's pointing to the dangers and the first danger that he points to is the randomness and the unpredictability of life under the sun after the fall into sin. There's no guarantees for you under the sun. 
In Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 22, the preacher shares the perspective of a person who is under the sun, observing that there seems to be a time for every matter under the sun at the as time cycles on, kind of like nature was cycling on in the first chapter. Although some singers, modern singers, have made some beautiful songs based on Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8, and maybe as we were reading, some of those songs came into your head and you were singing them. We do need to understand that these words are a lament, a lament of a person who cannot see beyond the sun. It's like the, the pendulum of a, of a grandfather clock. The, the poem swings from one time to another, starting with one idea and then canceling it out with the opposite idea. It keeps on ending at zero. Birth, death. Plant, pluck. Kill, heal. Tick, tock. And with poetic beauty, the word time is repeated 28 times in this little poem, like the four weeks of seven days in a month. But do the uncontrollable tides of time, do they ever wash anything of lasting value to the shores of life under the sun? Under the sun, people are busy with all sorts of things. Sometimes things are ugly and sometimes they are beautiful and we get caught in between this and, and the one event seems to cancel out the other and the problem is that the person under the sun cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Verse 11. So who knows what will happen to you? Who can tell you? Maybe all of a sudden it will be a time to die. Maybe all of a sudden it will be a time to to heal, to kill, to break down, to weep, to mourn, to lose, to, to tear, to hate, to go to war. And since fallen man has made a time for every matter and every work, including evil works, it's possible that you, in this life under the sun, you go to a place for justice like a court system. And verse 16 and 17 tells you, and there's wickedness there. Or you go to a place to find righteousness, and there's wickedness there. The pursuit of success and satisfaction is frustrated by the, the randomness of time. And in the end, under the sun, there are no guarantees even that even a smart and a creative person ends up having no advantage over the beast of the field, chapter 3, verse 19. And once again, we're told that all is vanity. Well, randomness is one thing. It gets worse. As the Holy Spirit moves to chapter 4, he's investigating life under the sun. He warns us that when people look for meaning in this life through these Pleasures, self-indulgence, through, through wisdom, through gaining possession. Not only are they unsuccessful for themselves because of death and this apparent randomness, but everything they do 
Everything you seem to gain means a loss for another person. Throughout Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2 to 6, verse 9, the Holy Spirit repeatedly shows the ugly side of all the human efforts under the sun. When a person seeks satisfaction through pleasure, you remember that first path that the little rat was running down. Well, there's always someone who suffers. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, verses 1 to 3. It talks about the tears of the oppressed. I'm reminded of a, a parent seeing a, a young teenager crying, crying his or her eyes out because they were bullied at, at school. Somebody trying to get success, satisfaction, and somebody pain. I'm reminded of the tears of an unloved wife who is left by her selfish husband who's running after that great building project, whatever it may be. The unloved husband. The tears of the oppressed. The tears of the, the sex slave in her dirty apartment, repeatedly exploited by the users of pornography, one seeking pleasure and the other pain. The imbalance of power, the oppression under the sun, the tears, and our heart breaks. Great building projects require people away from their homes working. And, and just think about how many tears are shed in a house full of slaves and concubines. Saul warned the people of Israel about this. And the people of Israel complained to Solomon's son. And those who seek pleasure only find it when they ride on the tears of the oppressed. There, there are many evils under the sun, but there is no one, we read, to comfort the oppressed. It's repeated twice. And there was no one to comfort them. And the oppressed envy those who have already died. That's chapter 4, verse 2. And they think, well, even better than that, those who have never been born, have never seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. And when a person under the sun seeks satisfaction through toil, there is always someone who suffers. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 4 explains that this is because all toil and all skill will will work in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. Well, how does envy work for the other guy? It adds a whole new danger to the rat race. And although in the end nothing can be gained through all our toil, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 11 to 12, there are many people under the sun who are willing to climb over the corpses to get to the top. Living in bitter competition. There is no room for rest. The fool who folds his hand, verse, chapter 4, verse 5, he eats his own flesh. It means he comes to ruin. He destroys himself. But also the man with that insatiable desire for more riches, he has to pay for that by depriving himself of pleasure, working himself to death. Be warned about the dangers under the sun. For in the end too, says chapter 4, verse 8, it is vanity, an unhappy business. 
Even those who seek wisdom find they will be rejected. We read a passage in chapter 4 about the theme that two are better than one. Chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. And then we read about the wisdom of the poor man who rose to be a king in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 13 to 16, because he was willing to, to listen to the advice of, of others. He united hosts of people, but the world is so full of oppression and envy and greed that the wise advice is soon discarded and the wise man quickly forgotten. All too often warns the preacher the many words of the fools who are offer, offering sacrifices without meaning, that's chapter 5, verses 1 to 7, who are babbling out promises and oaths before the Lord who is in heaven. They drown out even the little bit of good that earthly wisdom can give to us here under the sun. The ugly side of those who pursue earthly wisdom is that they inevitably will be taken advantage of and then forgotten. And so the conclusion of this whole section on vanity is verses 7 to 9. All toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. What advantage has the wise man over the fool? What does the poor man who knows how to conduct himself, what does he have before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is a vanity striving after the wind. And as the Holy Spirit describes the life of men under the sun, it's, it's almost like he is a scientist watching lab rats run a maze that has no exit except for death, so they think. And as long as they keep their heads down on their own paths and involve themselves in this frenetic activity of banging into walls and trying to find their way out and using their own ingenuity, uh, their, their own, uh, I can't say that word, their own choices, their own uh, creativity, uh, they, they will all come to the same end. And, and this part of Ecclesiastes then is like a scientist who's looking down on this test maze knowing that if the rats just remembered that there was no roof on their maze, and that there was a technician reaching in at one place to, to pick them up, then it would change everything for them. And then the depth of the vanity of life under the sun hits us. And the passage we read emphasizes the tragedy of the not-so-amazing maze life by the very fact that it shows us that there can be so much more no one needs to remain trapped in this life of vanity. The only reason for the, the life of vanity under the sun is that people are only looking horizontally around them. Kind of like a, a stubborn or maybe a, a misinformed video gamer whose character is stuck on ground level because the operator hasn't figured out to do the up button on the control just to look upward. There's a way out. Yes, as we look through the description of vanity under the sun in the first six chapters of Ecclesiastes, we can see not only is there a way out, but God's light actually shines into the maze to show us this way out, to give us signs of hope in Him. A call 
to look up to him. And so we go back and we see that God shines through in the vanity, into the vanity when the Holy Spirit concludes that a person who manages to enjoy his life, that's the end of chapter 2, 24 and following, and then it's repeated many times, that a, ma- a person who manages to enjoy his life and find satisfaction in his toil, that person is experiencing a little bit of the goodness that God promises to all those who eat and drink and do everything for his glory. And then if we look at chapter 4, verse 6, we can see that God teaches people under the sun who burn themselves out in constant striving to try have two handfuls. They're striving for two handfuls, but they only have one mouth. And he says, I'll give you quietness if you're content with the one handful received from the Lord. And we can see the goodness of God's creational ordinances shining through in chapter 5, when he speaks of the, the king who is faithful in his office, the king who uses his authority to ensure that the land has cultivated fields. It's chapter 5, verses 8 to 9. Again, the shine of, of God's light coming in. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, reveals that the sovereign God has actually put eternity right into the hearts of his creatures so that they may perceive that it is good to find enjoyment in the good gifts that God places in their hands. You can see the word uh, after chapter 3, verse 11, in, in 12 to 13, it uses the word perceived. And then again, verse 14, they can perceive that there is a way to escape the vanity by investing in the work of the Lord because his work is guaranteed. His work is eternal. And this work, which culminates in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ at God's appointed time as he is controlling all of history, this work gives us certainty that even though no person can control the times that the Father has set by his own authority, the Lord is always in control as he brings deliverance to his children. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 15, we see that the past, the present, and the future are bound up in the one true eternal God. And this brings us to stand in awe before him, to to look up to the maker of heaven and earth. The very fact that a temple is mentioned in Ecclesiastes 5, verses 1 to 7, the very fact that people can, can honor God with right sacrifices just as they can anger him with the sacrifice of fools. It's a clear indication that not only is, is God in heaven, but also that he is reaching down into our life under the sun. He sees us. He cares for his children and he calls us to him. The temple service, the laws, the sacrifices, all that we read in in his holy word, the, 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 the warning voice of the Holy Spirit through the preacher, these are all signs to those living under the sun, calling all his creatures to look away from their vain pursuits of, of human striving 
and to look up to God where they can find mercy and receive grace to help them in their time of need. And today, and brothers and sisters, the light of the Son of God shines even more brightly in our lives. And we may announce to the world that God himself has come into the world in his Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from all futility. The, the roof is gone and the walls are blown open. We can see, we can know the love of God. And he is calling everyone who is living with their eyes pointed downward to the rat race. You don't need to wear yourselves out and to deprive yourselves of true quietness and peace in this meaningless pursuit of pleasure or, or wisdom or academic uh, recognition or personal gains with your houses and your cars and your iPhones that we said is the, the big thing that we all want already as teenagers. They will never save you from death. Look up to Jesus Christ and you will see the victorious king of all the kings on earth, the king who came down to save us. And you will see a king sitting in power and glory on his throne with all the times of all his people appointed and ready, ushering his children in to his glorious eternal kingdom. Having paid for the sins of everyone who believes in him, he calls the oppressor to repentance before it is too late. See the damage that your human pursuits are causing. Repent, turn to Jesus Christ. For the Lord has seen and heard the tears of the oppressed. One day he will come to judge the living and the dead. Although Ecclesiastes is clear that nothing anyone under the sun can, can, can does, nothing anyone does can ever change God's plan. We do not need to despair for the sovereign God has shown us what we need. Let us trust in him even though we cannot understand it all. And we'll see that more uh, next week as we look at the second point of this sermon on Ecclesiastes now we know that in him there is salvation. The deliverer, let's look up. Amen.